As soon as I realized this, it was like a siren was going off in my head. If the experts are all talking about financial literacy, but I had all the financial literacy and it didn't work for me, there must be others like me who are assuming that they're bad at money, despite the real issue being that they didn't get the emotional guidance they needed. Welcome to the Money Without Shame podcast. I'm your host, Amy Schultz, and I'm here to tell you that the story you've been believing about yourself and money isn't true. You're not bad at money. In fact, you were set up for failure from a lack of healthy money conversations growing up to societal conditioning to an economic system that just wasn't made for women. That's why I'm on a mission to remove the shame that I know so many of you feel about your money and empower you to take back control of your financial future. Each week, my guests and I are going to explore the truth behind why money has felt so challenging using real stories from real women to reveal the external factors that influence our financial lives and offer a way to do and feel better about money without shame. You're not alone and it's not all your fault. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Money Without Shame. I'm your host, Amy Schultz. This is episode number one and I'm going to share my story with you and set the stage for what you can expect this first season. We're going to cover everything from credit card debt to impulse spending to not being born an investment expert. So let's talk first about who I am and why money without shame matters to me so much. As a certified money coach, I've helped hundreds of women do better with their money, but I was not always good with my own. I've actually paid off over $200,000 of credit card debt in my lifetime, and at one point I had 15 credit cards with balances on them. That is a sentence that I have led a lot of workshops with. Vulnerable sharing is my superpower, and I found that it leads to change for the women that I share with. But let's back up and talk about how I got there. Before I was a money coach, I was an actuary, managing financial risks for corporations. I was always the breadwinner in my family, and my partner and I always kept our finances separate, which was good for me because I spent everything I earned while acting like I had my shit together. Every single year, I would amass somewhere between $20,000 to $30,000 in credit card debt and scramble at the end of the year between my bonus and my tax refund and whatever money I could pull out of thin air to pay it off. I never had a problem earning money, but keeping it felt impossible. I lived this way for almost a decade, setting a New Year's resolution every single January that this would be the year I saved money and stopped using credit cards. And every year, I would fail and tell nobody. When my first son was born in 2017, I had $30,000 in credit card debt, $50,000 in student loans, and no liquid savings. I had a 401k, but didn't really know what was in it or where it was. And the whole thing was terrifying. Preparing to bring home a new baby, watching expenses add up for diapers and nursery furniture, and knowing that I was already in the hole so much. The weirdest part about all of this, or maybe it won't seem weird to you, is how normal it felt to me. Like I had gotten so used to being in credit card debt that I just assumed it was my path. And that after the baby was born, I would go back to work to keep paying bills, including my thousands of dollars in credit cards each month. And that would be my story. And I lived paycheck to paycheck, even though I earned six figures. I lost all sense of normalcy when my son's delivery didn't go as planned. 
And at this point, I need to warn you that I'm about to briefly describe my trauma during childbirth, so skip ahead a minute if that's something that would be hard for you to listen to. Four days after my son's due date, I had a placental abruption in DIC, which is where your blood essentially turns to water, so not a great time for surgery. And I ended up on life support after an emergency C-section. My son, Jake, and I barely made it, but we did. And it took me months to recover to the point where I could walk around holding him without feeling scared that I was too sick to do so. But I loved being a new mom, and I felt so much gratitude for life. Everything about me as a person had changed. And at five months old, it was time for me to go back to work, and I just was not ready. I had extra time off, so some of it was unpaid because of childbirth complications. But as my back-to-work date crept up, I just started feeling like, how can it be that they want me to just go back to normal? How can it be that I just almost died having this baby and I'm supposed to just get back into the workforce and handle all the things like nothing happened? I just didn't want to do it. But I had to because I still had no savings and I was in the exact same financial situation, if not worse, than when I gave birth. So I went back and I cried every day for a full year. I didn't have the right mental health support, and I felt trapped in a cycle of not having time for anything, let alone taking a long, hard look at what was going on with me. On top of my credit card debt, I now had a $10,000 bill for my delivery, and it was all just suffocating me. When my son was 18 months old, I couldn't take it anymore. I was burnt out, and I had watched my single, childless colleagues continue to get promoted beyond me while I was just trying to get by, and I felt worthless useless, and I felt ashamed that I couldn't manage it all. So I took an unpaid leave of absence, and I stayed home with my son for three months. It was wonderful. I loved every second with him, and with time to breathe, I finally started digging into not only my mental health, but my financial health. I started researching how someone who earns six figures could be in my situation, and what I found amazed me. At this time, in 2018, companies were spending a lot of money on what they called financial wellness initiatives that were really focused on financial literacy or teaching people about personal finance, mostly like getting them to save money and prepare for retirement. But in my research, I found that my spending and my inability to save had nothing to do with a lack of financial literacy and everything to do with a lack of a healthy emotional relationship to money. I have a degree in finance and economics. I'm married to an accountant. I used financial literacy every day in my job for 10 years, but that was not enough. What I needed and wasn't getting, as it turns out, was someone to explain to me that 90% of our financial decisions are driven by emotions, and mine were running my net worth right into the ground. Every time I spent money, I was trying to buy something that was missing in my life, which was, in fact, a life. Before my son was born, I worked 60 to 80 hours a week between my job and studying for actuarial exams. So the only release I had was shopping online at night. I had no time for anything else. My favorite pastime became seeing what I could order and the rush when it arrived at the door. I always knew I spent a lot. Don't get me wrong. That was pretty obvious to anybody. But what I didn't know was the emotional reason behind my spending. I thought, oh, I'm a spender instead of, oh, I'm unfulfilled in a society that tells me buying things is the way to happiness. I was doing what I was taught and placing all the blame on myself. When I finally looked at my spending through the lens of my emotions and why I'm making those choices, the most interesting thing I noticed was that in the months since my son was born, a time when most parents' expenses increased significantly, mine actually went down. 
When I was able to spend the time with him that I wanted, I spent less. But as soon as I was burned out or stressed again or feeling terrible about working too much or too little, my spending went right back up. Seeing this laid out made me realize that this is the financial education I had missed out on, my emotional relationship to money. It turns out that there's a whole field of study around the emotional side of money, and it's called money coaching. Money coaching is different from any other financial help like counseling or advising because it focuses on your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors around money. It helps you explore the patterns you are reliving over and over again with money and shift them. Without that level of understanding of your relationship with money, many of us stay stuck in cycles we don't want to be in. Because I already had a strong sense of financial literacy, once I was able to uncover my emotional blocks around money, I took steps forward. I started being intentional about my spending and holding on to my money. I stopped feeling like I had no control over my money and started feeling like getting out of debt was possible. My journey to feeling confident about money was threefold. First, I had to understand that I'm not bad at money and that there are past experiences with money that developed my thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, called my money story, that are driving my choices. None of this is my fault, but it is in my power to rewrite it into something that helps me do better. Second, I had to rewire the way I thought about money, from it's all out of my control to I'm in the driver's seat, using my money to build the life I want. This was honestly the hardest part and is the glue that holds a healthy financial foundation together. It involved money meditations, affirmations, gaining new money role models, catching my thoughts in the moment, and taking action based on how I wanted to feel, not how I currently feel, until one day I just felt in control. And third, I had to take financial action, practical steps to put my new mindset into opportunity, like savings for emergencies instead of letting an emergency fall into my credit card, like cutting up my cards and admitting that while I would one day be able to use them again, today I do, then was not the time to be tempted into another debt cycle. And like negotiating a remote work situation so I could spend more time with my son instead of driving into the office and crying through lunch. Money coaching helped me see all the ways my mindset around money was intricately weaved into my everyday choices, from how I worked to how I supported or didn't support my mental health to what I believed happiness looked like. It finally made sense to me why financial literacy didn't matter. It's not because there's anything wrong with me. It's because no one had taught me to see money in this way before. As soon as I realized this, it was like a siren was going off in my head. If the experts are all talking about financial literacy, but I had all the financial literacy and it didn't work for me, there must be others like me who are assuming that they're bad at money, despite the real issue being that they didn't get the emotional guidance they needed. At that moment, I knew that I have to spread this message, I have to talk about this, and find a way to help women build better relationships with money so that they can stop blaming themselves like I did for so long. So, Because I really only have one speed and it's go, I fully quit my job in that moment and I fully emptied my 401k and used it to start my first business coaching women to do better and feel better about their money. I felt so powerful that day in 2018, but also terrified. I had figured out a way to fund the life I really wanted and I knew I was taking a huge risk in doing so. I don't think I could find anybody (laughs) to tell me it was a good idea. And it wasn't something that I would recommend to anybody else, but I knew that I had to do it. This was my path. Too many women are suffering in silence, and there's too much work to be done. Jobs to do, as Laura Croft says. Huge Tomb Raider nerd here. 
That year, I also decided I wanted to be not just a money coach, but the best money coach. I wanted to work directly with really influential coaches who were leading movements around rethinking the way we view money. You see, the more that you dive into the emotional side of money, the more you'll realize that the way our society talks about money and the way our economy works is not conducive to healthy money mindsets at all. So while it's great to teach individuals the secrets of money coaching, it's imperative that we collectively change the way we all view money so that it's possible for all of us to thrive rather than those who are already doing great. I first worked with an amazing change maker named Chantel Chapman, who was building the Trauma of Money Certification that is well known today for combining psychology with financial literacy to create a trauma-informed approach to finances. From her, I learned that we all have some level of money trauma, and hearing how she left a thriving career teaching financial literacy in an engaging way to do the research that would ultimately become trauma of money was inspiring and helped me realize how much I had to learn. Next, I worked with Deborah Price, who pioneered the field we know as money coaching when she founded the Money Coaching Institute, where I became a certified money coach. Deborah's passion for this field and her ability to look deep inside my brain and help me pinpoint the real challenges I was having around money paved the way for how I coach today. It's not just about how we feel about spending or saving or looking at our bank accounts. It's about what we feel we deserve, our ability to ask for help and build a support system, and the boundaries we need to set with our partners and families. I cannot stress enough, if you've never thought about money in this way, if you've never had somebody guiding you through this exploration, it is not your fault that you are in a less than desirable financial situation. This is the money shift we all need, and I'm determined to bring it to as many women as possible. Since that day in 2018, I've built a proven process that helps women pay off debt, build savings, and have money to start investing by focusing on the emotional side of money and building habits that last. I have a team of 10 money coaches now, and we approach every single client situation with the same philosophy. If this person could stop feeling ashamed about their situation and stop blaming themselves for what they didn't know how to do, what could be possible for them to believe about themselves and money? What do they need to let go of to move forward? I've talked to thousands of women about their money, and I see so much shame, and it breaks my heart. Fertility treatments that went on a credit card because they didn't have financial support from their partner or didn't have a partner. Medical costs that aren't covered by insurance and went on a credit card or took up full paychecks for years. Divorces where she just wanted to get out to be safe and happy, and that meant leaving with nothing. I'm sorry, where was the day when we learned this in school? When did we learn to navigate terrible life situations with our money? It was the same day we learned about our emotional relationship to money, which was never. Nope. And nope. The reality is that most people in the U.S. live paycheck to paycheck about 64% according to Lending Club. And according to payroll.org, 78% of employees would not be able to pay their bills if their paycheck was delayed just one week. So it's so much easier for authority figures like heads of corporations, politicians, people responsible for the well-being of our country to say that this is an individual problem rather than a societal or economic one. And there are even financial experts who have built millions themselves only to turn around and shame others for their financial choices. I get comments on Instagram and TikTok every day that are like, stop whining, I did it, and so can they. I'm not buying it, and neither should you. Lack of effective financial guidance, that means the majority of our country is struggling 
financially, despite how much they earn, is not a personal problem. For many of us, we accept the idea that it's a personal problem as a reality because it feels so bad. When I had all of my credit card debt and I was still spending, I felt so ashamed that I never would have admitted to anybody what was going on. I had friends who were financial advisors. I was in the finance industry and I never would have gone to any of them for help because I knew that they were going to shame me and I was ashamed myself. It wasn't until I learned about this more emotional side of money and hired my first money coach that I understood that there wasn't anything wrong with me. I just needed to learn about money in a different way. And as it turns out, I am not alone. 61% of Americans are in credit card debt with an average balance of about $6,000. 61%. This specific stat is from Clever Real Estate, but honestly, there are so many other studies like this. Credit card debt is so common, and it blows my mind that people think that the majority of Americans are just choosing to have credit card debt. I would never have chosen to have all the credit card debt that I did. Trust me. It's not fun. It makes you feel like shit about yourself, and you walk around all day wondering if people knew, what would they think about you? Our society definitely creates this false narrative that women are splurging excessively, and that's why they have credit card debt. And while that's happening for some, I mean, I was definitely emotionally spending my way to 30K in credit card debt. Most women are actually just using their credit cards to afford the cost of living. A study from Yahoo Finance reports that of the people who use credit cards, 62% of them are not using them just to buy things, but to pay their monthly bills. And only a quarter of these people are doing it to get points. So not only are the majority of people using credit cards for living expenses, but they're doing it out of need. These statistics that I've mentioned are too big of a problem to be personal. So if you wish your financial situation was different and you've been feeling ashamed of where you are, you're in the right place. In future episodes, I'll be sharing anonymous submissions from our community of listeners going through really hard money challenges, and I'll give my perspective on why they're where they are and share how they can improve their situation. I'll also interview guests on my show, women who have worked through their money shame to feel brave enough to speak up and help me pave a way forward for others. My goal is to share the real stories behind these statistics to help you feel less alone and more aware of why you're where you are. So spend this next week reflecting on your own money story, the ways you've been blaming yourself for something that you couldn't possibly have known how to navigate, and what it would be like for you to money without shame. Ready to experience money without shame? Then come follow me at Amy Schultz Money Coach for daily inspo on Instagram. I am truly grateful to be on this journey with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Want to be featured on a future episode or have your own money story to share? Send it to moneywithoutshame at gmail.com. See you next time.